What is good, everybody? Welcome to another SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, alongside Kyle Posey from The Nation, Justice Mosqueda from Acne Packing Company, and with Steven Serta from Arrowhead Pride behind the glass. Gentlemen, it's Wednesday, December 14th. We got Christmas music in the air, holiday music in the air. The 49ers have won six straight games. Life is good, Justice. Brock Purdy versus Tom Brady next summer. I'm really excited. You guys get get the added extra name into the quarterback controversy this time around instead of just Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. I'm excited for that. I'm sure Niners fans you guys... treat this rationally. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> you know 49ers fans very well. Uh, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. When did you two put up your Christmas tree? How soon is too soon? Justice, you look like you haven't yet. Uh, no, no, I have because my okay. girlfriend went down to North Carolina to visit her family this past week. So we had to get the tree up and, and all decorated and stuff before she left. I think we got it up on Monday, I want to say. Monday or Sunday. I can't remember which one. Packers didn't play a game, so I have no sense of time right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so some, somewhere around then, and even then, that felt late to me. Did you Wait, were you, you pressured into that, Rob? No, no one pressures me into anything, man. Especially when it comes to Rob Christmas. Said, I'm the man of my house. No, I just have very strict. <laughs> right. You can't put up any holiday decorations until December first. That's it. So when did you put the tree up? First weekend in December. Oh, you really put the foot down then, huh? <laughs> No Christmas music before December 1st. No holiday decorations up before December 1st. Like, we get a month. A month is fine. There's like six Christmas carols. I don't need to hear them in November. I'll be tired of them by the time the 25th rolls around. And the tree is out the door by the dumpster, 1 p.m., December 26th. Oh, I've had some bad ones before. When I, you know, you're living with roommates and stuff. I'm pretty sure we had a Christmas tree up in, in March at one point it, it was a tough scene in the early the early 20s uh what was on what point. was in the stand was it just like a skeleton it was definitely a fire hazard yeah for sure yeah 100 <laughs> percent. i i do agree with you though the people who instantly go from like midnight on halloween straight into christmas music you guys are psychos yep you guys are psychos i completely agree KP is silent, so does that mean you were yeah, firing the up at? the... Uh... No. <laughs> Tree's right here, man. Tree's been up for about a week and a half now. I was just wondering if that was normal, right, to put it up. Like, if it was up to me, if it were up to me, I would put it up December 23rd. I don't... There you go. I support it. Bah humbug. All right. Hey, look, <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to go crazy here. Come on. There's, there's, we can be rational about these things. Leave us a rating and a review. Tell us when you put your tree up, how long you keep it up, all that good stuff. I promise you we will read it on the show. Fun show today. Peter King from Football Morning in America is going to join us. We'll do the gauntlet as well, of course. But I want to remind you that we're brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right. Without further ado, here's Peter King. We are very pleased and privileged to be joined by Peter King from NBC Sports and Football Morning in America. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Hey, what's going on, Stats? Good to be with you. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, let's get right into it. 
Everybody reads the Monday column, of course. We're getting down to that time of year. Right now, who is your leading MVP candidate? It's Jalen Hurts. I think that when you've turned it over five times in 14 weeks, when your team has the best record in football, when you are as good running the ball as you are throwing the ball, and you're very good throwing the ball, um, I don't have any qualms about putting him number one. That isn't to say that Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or maybe even um, Josh Allen can't elbow his way into the MVP, uh, the very uh, the top of the MVP race. But right now, I'd give it to Hertz. Because of how well the Eagles are playing, I look at the Cowboys, and I don't know what to think about Dallas. They look good. Certainly, they have high expectations there, but they've never been the best team in their own division. Is this a Super Bowl or bust year for the Cowboys? I don't think so. I mean, every year the drama about uh, around the Cowboys is ratcheted up uh, much higher than it is with almost any other team. And so I think it's silly every year that, well, if they don't win it this year, well, what? Dak Prescott's going to be the quarterback next year. Micah Parsons going to rush the passer. Some of those things remind me, quite honestly, of uh, after the Buffalo Bills lost their fourth Super Bowl, I went to training camp the following year in Fredonia, New York, and I asked Jim Kelly, who, you know, the previous Super Bowl, when I saw him, he looked like three, his, you know, his, his dog, cat, and parrot all just died simultaneously. And I just said, do you ever think maybe it'd just be better to not hurt so much that, you know, you just walk away from the game and do something else? He said, are you crazy? I worked my whole life to play this game. Yeah, it's heartbreaking not to win a Super Bowl, but I'm not giving up my profession because we didn't win a Super Bowl. And I feel the same way about people when they talk about the Cowboys every year. Well, if they don't win this year, well, what? They're going to come back next year, and I think they're going to be okay. I've heard from a lot of Cowboy fans that say that Mike McCarthy is not getting enough credit for the job that he's done there with the Cowboys. Would you agree with that? I mean, I think Mike is doing a good job, I, and I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to damn him with faint praise or anything like that. But they got a lot of talent on this team, too, a lot of talent. And they've got a really good defensive scheme run by Dan Quinn. So. I mean, look, coaches in the NFL, when your team wins, you tend to get a lot of credit. And, you know, the one thing I don't like about this team really is, you know, the fact that, okay, you can beat Minnesota 900 to nothing. But then if Houston makes one play on Sunday, one play, you know, that's the biggest upset in the NFL in years. And so, again, look, I'm not being critical or anything of Mike McCarthy. I think he's done a good job. But I also think that when you have a team that has a lot of talent, you should be able to do a good job. This could be my 49ers bias coming through, but I have said, especially after last week, that Kyle Shanahan deserves to be in the Coach of the Year conversation, considering he is now on his third quarterback who was the last pick in the draft. Is that my bias or is there some validity there? I could see Kyle Shanahan, depending on what goes on down the stretch, getting significant consideration. I mean, if the season ended today, 
one of the things I really am not crazy about. But if the season ended today, Brian Dable would be my coach of the year. But there's the Giants seem to be sinking like a stone. So I don't know if after 18 weeks he'll be my coach of the year. But Kyle Shanahan is in there. Nick Sirianni is in there for the job he's done with his team and with his quarterback and making the offense along with Shane Steichen so incredibly diverse. Uh, and, and, and look, I think also the, the one other team that I think, and the one other coach that I think, you know, not only has played well, but will continue, uh, to play well down the stretch. I I really think in it and somebody that you're going to have to consider, uh, when it comes to, uh, postseason awards is I, I would just look very seriously, um, you know, at the at the Jacksonville Jaguars, because both Jacksonville and Detroit, for them to be playing games that matter in the middle of December is really quite something. So I think both Doug Peterson and uh, and Dean Campbell, depending on what the next four weeks, uh, depending on what happens in the next four weeks, are going to deserve some consideration as well. As we flip it over to the AFC, do you believe the road to the Super Bowl still goes through Kansas City? You know, I think that the road to the Super Bowl is going to be determined on the last Monday night game of the year on January 2, Buffalo at Cincinnati. That's a game that right now I would take Cincinnati. But Buffalo, if Buffalo goes in there and wins, they deserve home field through the NF, through the AFC playoffs. So not that I think home field is going to be that big a deal, but home field will mean a little something in a Buffalo-Kansas City game or a Buffalo-Cincinnati game, let's say. Uh, I think it'll be, it would be worth something. But I think it's too early stats to say that uh, oh, Kansas City is is going to win it all or is going to represent the AFC because I think they've got a heck of a shot to win home field. But I also think that, you know, if Buffalo beats Cincinnati in Cincinnati, that they're probably going to win home field. So, uh, you know, I think it all comes down to the final game of week 17. I've been stunned by Cincinnati because I was sitting here all year saying it was a fluke last year. They're not as good as they were. And then all of a sudden, here they come. They're they're rounding back into form. They beat Kansas City again. I don't know how Joe Burrow can be undefeated against Patrick Mahomes, yet can't beat the Cleveland Browns. That seems to be a little weird. <laughs> Where is Cincinnati in this whole mix? I think the interesting thing about the Bengals uh, – is that, you know, even though, I mean, you know what what really doesn't figure? When they've had a bookend pass rushing tandem of Hubbard and Hendrickson, which is pretty good, um, it's amazing that they're only averaging 1.5 sacks a game, but that's all they're averaging, which is, to me, kind of incredible. Um, but I think what since everybody knows that Cincinnati is going to be able to score uh, with or without uh, Jamar Chase and, you know, with him, they're absolutely lethal. But.
But I think what has been impressive is their pass defense. I mean, if you look at the NFL right now, to have a quarterback rate, I looked this up the other day, the quarterback rating against the Bengals is 80.4, wow. which is really fantastic in today's day and age. So, I, I mean, they have now, uh, they've only allowed uh, 12 touchdown passes in their 13 games. And I think that means that they're putting enough pressure on the quarterback. They're not getting home as much, but they're putting enough pressure on the quarterback and they're playing very well in the back end. So I think that has really held Cincinnati in good stead. Last question for you. I'm going to go a little off the board here. What the hell are your Red Sox doing? I might be one of the few people who is not totally up in arms about losing Xander Bogarts, who roots for the Red Sox. And, you know, the reason is, um, and, and look, this, I will... Uh, I will be really, I'll be kind of upset if they do not sign Raphael Devers. But, and it isn't that I don't like Xander Bogarts. I love the guy. He's a great competitor. Uh, you know, he's got the personality of Mookie. Uh, you know, all he does is come and play hard every game, plays hurt, and he plays very well. But the fact is, the best two prospects in the system for the Red Sox are shortstops. Uh, and they uh, they have a shortstop in Trevor Story, and they easily this year easily could put Kike Hernandez at second base and have a very good infield still uh, defensively. So I'm not crazy about losing Xander Bogarts, but I think I'll be a little crazy if they don't sign Devers. And look, they seem convinced that they can go relatively on the cheap and find enough players to be Devil Rays North or Rays North. I don't think that's possible in the AL East consistently, particularly in a market that is so demanding. This is not Tampa, you know, for Heim Bloom. And, and so I think they got to read the room a little bit better. And to think that, Oh, we signed Kenley Jansen and an outfielder for from Japan that everybody says they overpaid for. That that is enough. I mean, it's not enough. They're, they're they might be below Baltimore now, so there's a lot more work to be done. Wow, there's a sentence I didn't think I'd hear. Peter, thank you so much for the time. You can read him Football Morning in America. Sometimes you see him on Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio. Thanks very much. Hey, all the best, stats. Take care. Thanks again to Peter for sitting down. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to run the gauntlet and get to the bottom of the big question this week. Which playoff contenders can take down the top seeds in the conference? As they win the gridiron gauntlet. Okay, Smarty. What's a gauntlet? truly don't even know what a gauntlet is. The gauntlet has been laid. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show, it is gauntlet time. Kyle Posey, I will start with you, my Niners Nation brethren. Which playoff contenders can take down a top seed? First up, Ravens or the Giants? Who man, it has to be the team with the best player, right? 
So I think, again, Brian Dayball, he's done an amazing job. The fact that the Giants are competitive and are probably going to make the playoffs just speaks volumes to how well he's coached, how well he's propped up the talent on that team. But in a one-game sample size, I trust somebody to, to be able to take away Saquon Barkley. Whereas in a one-game sample size, you never know with Lamar, right? He can have uh, a 300-100 type of game. He could have just one play where it could be 10-10. to 10. You can't tackle him in the open field, and now the Ravens win. And sure, on the other side of the ball, you know they're starting to play much better thanks to having a linebacker. Who knew that that was <laughs> – that was the difference on defense, but they have playmakers on the back end, uh, Marcus Peters. So I think I would go Ravens here pretty comfortably. I will say the Giants defense, they do have pieces, but I mean, last week against the Eagles, they showed that they can't cover and that's what it comes down to in the playoffs. So this one's pretty easy for me. It's the Ravens, but they suck. Greg Roman. Did you see the Ravens DVs a couple weeks ago tweeting about Wink? They're like, oh, you're down all these corners, still playing man coverage, and you're getting bombed oh, in Ravens corners, tweeting like eyeball emojis and stuff. It's like, ah, yeah. let it go. That was, that was last year. Um, I think I agree with you. I mean, it, it really just does boil down as simple as like, look at the quarterbacks, Daniel Jones versus Lamar Jackson. Um, I don't think these two teams are really great in any phase of football, but if you're going with variance, it goes straight down to look at the quarterback to me. All right. By the way, I should mention in the event of a tie, Steven Serta will break the tie for us. Not me. It's out of my hands, so don't blame me. Uh, let's see, Justice. Ravens or Titans? Better chance to take down a top seed. Ooh. What the heck are the Tennessee Titans, man? <laughs> they can their general manager midseason. Feels like we don't really even know what that's about. Um their run game, I guess, is still good, but like, is not what it used to be. Defensively, so like they're just a tough football team. Like they're almost like a a litmus test for that, right? Like if you're gonna play soft finesse football, maybe Tennessee can get you. But if we're talking about contenders, like I don't think they're gonna be able to keep up with Kansas City or Buffalo in the AFC. So I think I'm gonna go Baltimore here. It's just so weird that, like, the Titans, they're having all this, like, on-paper success. You look at their records and stuff, and, like, Vrabel has you – know, he won Coach of the Year last year and all that, and just seems like they're not never really that impressive or really that well-built, which is, like, maybe why you move on from Robinson as the general manager. But, like, I don't know. Is he fully the problem? Why are they playing Stanford football in the NFL <laughs> in, in 2022? Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be the Ravens. And it's more just because of the Titans. What's the Titans' signature win this season? What's what's a when you're thinking of the Titans' season, what is something that's Lambo? Exactly. Yeah. What are they known for, right? They're known for their rushing offense. And I think trending metrics really tells us who teams are at this point since week 10. The Titans rushing offense is 20 or sorry, 29th in DVOA that is not good because they cannot throw the ball so pretty simple for me both teams Unless are very good on Lambeau, defense in the snow also which against Jair Alexander <laughs> still hurt um the Ravens are second defensively in DVOA in that time so I think they're trending the right way the Titans are trending in the opposite way in every in every metric possible teams are just going to sell out sell out to stop Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill is somehow still going to be the quarterback for the Titans next year. But um, 
Yeah, it's the Ravens pretty easily for me. All right. Better chance to knock off a top seed Ravens or the Commanders, Kyle. Oh, man. These two teams are a lot more similar than I think people would realize. Um, Washington, especially if they get Chase Young back, I don't know what he's going to give them, but I imagine just having a, you know, a first round talent out there, they're going to go to another level. Taylor Heineke, fine. They're not great on on offense by any stretch of the imagination, but they have players who can win. Terry McLaurin. Ooh, man, I want to pick Washington. I think I'm going to pick Washington. I think I'm going to go with the team with a better passing defense. And again, that's what it matters, right? We, we, we talked about just the cornerback subtweeting Martindale. That was last last year, right? What's the difference this year? Because they're still getting beat. They're still giving up plays. I don't know. I, for, for a weird reason, I, I just trust the commanders to get a stop defensively on third down, on third and long in an obvious passing situation, as opposed to the Ravens. I know I was just talking about how well they've been playing defensively. They're not going to be able to play Mitch Trubisky um, in the playoffs. So they're not going to have those easy turnovers. The, the Steelers did move the ball pretty easily up and down the field. They just made turnovers in the red zone. I'm going to go Washington here. I'm not crazy confident about it, but I, I just feel like the way that they've been playing under Taylor Heineke, um, I, I bet on them. The defensive line is the best unit in this game, right? That Washington defensive line, especially if, you know, they get young back. Um, still going to go quarterback, though. I'm just going to go with Lamar. I mean, the difference between him and Heineke is just so wide. But, um, like, when have we seen – when I feel like we haven't seen, like, prime Lamar lately. Where is that guy? I guess that is true, but <sighs> – I'm still going to do it. The, the one thing that frustrates me the most when I think about Washington, honestly, that Washington and New York game that ended in a tie is going to be like the most important result yep. in the entire NFL uh, this entire yes. season. Because it's going to it's gonna decide like maybe the six and seven seed in the NFC. It's so dumb. College football is about to go. Okay, I have a take. I haven't fully thought this out. So we're working this out on perfect. <laughs> Here we go, baby. This is great. College football is about to go divisionless, right? Should the NFL do the same thing? Like, if we're in conferences, just take the top seeds out of the conferences. Why do the I Buccaneers like the- automatically get in if they're going to be sub 500 into the playoffs instead of, I don't know, let's name teams, the Green Bay Packers who could sneak into the seventh seed? Hmm, interesting choice. <laughs> That's the Why only reason that this that is an one? argument. <laughs> No, I like the divisions because I like at the end of the year the way they've structured it to where you play your division at the end of the season when the games mean the most. Well, you can, down- play, you can keep playing the games, right? College football calls them pods now. They're calling them pods or, or whatever the heck it is. You get your guaranteed rivals, but it just doesn't end up mattering for the play, the postseason. How do you make the schedule? How do you determine who plays who? Um, is just everybody going to play thing. once? You yeah, do the I same guess thing. It's just you just don't make it into the playoffs if you're a sub five hundred playoff team and you win the division. Huh, sorry, okay, Tom so Brady. just just have a rule that says you can't make the playoffs if you're below five hundred. Okay, that works. I'm fine. I just don't want like, dude. If Brady gets in with a sub five hundred team and Aaron Rodgers the last season, I am. I may <laughs> never live this down. All right, so we have a tie here between the Ravens and the Commanders. If I'm uh, reading yep. this accurately, yeah. Mr. Sturda, where do you come down? I think I'm going to go with the commanders here. Whoa! Oh, upset. Have we turned on Lamar? 
Has this podcast collectively well, turned on Lamar? You know, I, I was sitting here thinking about it. At first, I was like, it's got to be the Ravens because of Lamar. And then you start to really think about the Ravens and how Lamar has really struggled since the first quarter of the season. I don't think that's Lamar's fault. I, I think it's the Ravens' total disregard for giving him weapons offensively. Like they mm-hmm. just do not have any reliable pass catchers since Rashad Bateman, who flashed early on in the season, since he went down and is down for the rest of the year, Demarcus Robinson's like their number one most targeted wide receiver right now. And that's just not something that I want going into the playoffs. Lamar is incredible. I still have a lot of faith in Lamar. I think that defense is playing much better recently. But based on what we've seen now from the Ravens with a large sample size, I don't know that they can put up the points. Now, the commanders did just tie with the New York Giants, and I don't think that Taylor Heineke is going to be reliable either. But I'll take Terry McLaurin over Mark Andrews, and I'll take the pass catchers that they have. I'll take Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel over what Baltimore has right now along with that defense. So I I think I got to go commanders. 6-1-1 with Taylor Heineke as a starter. And his second start, they beat the Eagles on the road. They were up double digits in the fourth quarter against the Vikings. Like he, there are signature moments here um, with the commanders. And I'm glad that Steve just brought up Jahan Dotson, rookie wide receiver. He is very good. He is going to be very good. The fact that he is healthy now that they're making a run to the playoffs just gives them another option opposite McLaurin. So I, I think their weapons uh, will make life easier for a guy like Heineke as opposed to Lamar having to do literally everything all the time. Nice to see KP on the winning side of a tiebreaker. I was going to say, like... he went 0 for 50 last week. Get so. <laughs> <laughs> one under right. the belt. Justice, which team has the best chance to knock off a top playoff seed, the Commanders or the Patriots? Oh, man. I'm just not bought into this Patriots team at all. I know the defense is doing pretty well. But like we're watch, I mean, we just watched that game where Mac Jones is still blowing up on, on uh, Matt Patricia, and it felt like that entire game, like that second half, I was so bored of the game. I ended up like just doing some chores around the house. I'm watching dishes and stuff like that. Have it on the TV. Every time I looked up, it was just another Patriots sack. It, it felt like they like never even had the ball on the offensive side for in the second half, from what I saw. So. I'm just still not fully bought into this team being able to score, especially if we're we're talking about the context of against contenders. So, like, can New England match up against Buffalo? Can New England match up against Kansas City? Like, there's no way. They just can't score that many points. The offense has been in the funk the entire season. Honestly, like, which offense would you rather take? Like, just stripping the defense away, like. Not Taylor, the Taylor Heineke-led offense or the New England Patriots, you know, Mac Jones, you know, Matt Patricia offense. I think I would take Heineke. We just saw the Patriots go up against the Bills and they put up 10 points. Yeah. Um, they didn't score an offensive touchdown against the Jets. So in their last two games against competent defenses, above average defenses, they were struggling to move the ball. And I just reeled off, you know, what the, what the commanders did, especially under Heineke. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Patriots offense. I am confident they don't know. They don't have a plan. They don't have any structure. You talked about blowing up on coaches on the sideline. What are they doing? What is Matt Patricia? What is Joe judge? Like, why are they in charge? Why are we letting these people be in charge? Um, I, they leave a lot to be desired offensively. And if they were to sneak into the playoffs, do we really think Mac Jones is going to go toe to toe 
with the quarterbacks who are going to make the playoffs in the AFC, I, I'm very confident that that is a no. So Washington, for sure. Speaking of, I want to touch on this real quick. If you're Joe Judge, how fast are you trying to get to Mississippi State right now? Because he was offered, <laughs> or it, he was offered the job before Mike Leach, right? He's an alum of Mississippi State, and then the Giants came calling around. It doesn't seem like this Joe Judge thing is working at the NFL level, at least beyond being a wide receivers coach and a special teams coordinator. You, you got to make the call, right? New England just had two running backs who looked very good. Mm. We've never, I've never even heard of those two guys. And one of them, I was like, "Hey, that's the North or South Dakota State kid." And then I was like, "Oh, he's a rookie. Oh, I didn't know they drafted him in the fourth round. Where the hell has he been even, the entire season?" They're not even aware of the talent on their team. So how <laughs> are they going to score points? Yeah, it's the fact that Judge is is inter, even entertaining or has options is is kind of mind blowing. And so, man, who could have ever seen this coming? Oh wait. Everyone, everyone that heard what the Patriots were doing on offense thought that's a really dumb idea. That's probably not going to work after Josh. McDaniel. Also, everyone at camp who was down there and was like, this is terrible. They can't get a snap off. Like, how did Bill Belichick think that this was really the best way to go? Like, he deserves to wear this a little bit. I'm look, people talk about Belichick like he's going to be immune to all of this forever and he just gets to run the franchise until he decides that he's gone but at some point you got to be like dude this is what like the third or fourth iteration of the team since tom brady they just keep switching offensive coordinators constantly they can't get anything going on the offensive side of the ball you know first it was like the cam newton offense that didn't work mac jones 1.0 mac jones 2.0 at some point like there has to be a hot seat right like if it's not this year okay then next season at the very least like if they can't get into the playoffs next season like probably time to move on how many more times is he going to get a chance to rebuild you're not taking Mac Jones in the first round is like you're setting yourself up for failure and I know it's easy to say this in hindsight but it's a traits league right you take a quarterback in the first round with the impression that he's going to grow as a player and the tools that Mac Jones came into the league with he was never going to be able to elevate the talent around him at Alabama he had studs all over the place, and he was good at Alabama. I'm not taking that away from him. He had a he had a better receiving core in college than he does in the pros. Jeez, but like you can't fire Bill Belichick if you're Robert Kraft. Like, so how why? do you? Why? Why you can fire him? You own the team. You can do whatever you want. I mean, you can't. I just feel like that's a really bad look. Like you gotta you gotta say that they've mutually parted ways, or I just feel like you gotta finesse it a little bit. You're gonna fire Bill Belichick. Well, the Navy job's open, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we mutually agreed to separate. I will now be taking a position at Navy. Yeah, he'll just have his little scrap of paper. I resign as HC of the NEP. Yeah. And that'll be the end of it, right? Why didn't I, why didn't I think of that? Belichick knows how to uh, get out of these situations. All right, let's keep it rolling here. So the commanders move on. KP, better chance to knock off a top playoff seed, the Commanders or the Cincinnati Bengals? Oh, it's the Bengals. No doubt about it. I I don't think that this is particularly close. I would say I feel like the Bengals have been trending toward a top five team. Um, Since week 10, they have the second best team DVOA. Obviously, they have Jamar Chase back. It looks like they're starting to figure it out, right? Um, Earlier in the season, they were kind of 
still in last year's mode offensively, and and they made changes, and people have written about that, just how they're putting – they're taking away some from one coach's plate, putting more on Burrow's plate, and it's worked, right? They have good players all over the place. T. Higgins has to be healthy for this to work out. He, in my opinion, is one of the better, uh, if not top 10 receiver in the league. So you have two serious weapons on the outside, and you have a defense that can play with a lead. So I think – I don't really think this is a hesitation for me. I'll go Bengals. The Bengals are third in the league in expected points in terms of the passing offense this season. And I feel like – it's it's so weird that the narratives are like completely divorced from each other. Like coming into this year, everyone's talking Burrow, 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 and KP and I are like, let's pump the brakes a little bit and like look back at like what that 2021 season actually was and what that playoff run actually looked like. You would think that if he w- he was leading the passing offense that was ranked third in the league in expected points, that his stock would be astronomical at this point. And it's just not there. Like, he's not in the MVP conversation. I don't think people nationally are talking about him in the same way that people were talking about him coming into the season. This is a very good football team. They got a solid defense. They're well coached. Um, On the offensive side of the ball, they're starting to figure things out in terms of the whole, like, we're we're completely divorcing our run game and our passing game from under center and in the shotgun which was really their big issue. It took two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it took them long enough, but they've fe- se- seemingly figured that out. And then their passing game is probably performing better than it ever has before. So I really kind of like the ba- – I, I think they're kind of – I mean, I guess they were last year. I was going to say the frisky team in the playoffs. But, like, last year we talked about – who was it? Like the Raiders, the Bengals, and then potentially the Colts if they would have gotten in. But we we all saw how that one turned out, didn't we? Um, in terms of like teams that can come in and just kind of like punch you in the mouth a little bit. And if you're not ready and you're not awake, like they could upset you. Last year, I felt like like they were very fortunate to win in the playoffs. Like if Ryan Tannehill makes – if Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. was just an average quarterback, they'd probably lose to the Titans. And obviously we know how the Chiefs game went. But this year, they might be favored in these games, even if they are the, the away team. So I think they're significantly better than a lot of people give them credit for now. And I w- I think they're going to be very, very scary come playoff time. We talk about, you know, these teams and, like, can, can you keep up scoring with the Chiefs with the Bills, right? Chiefs are first in the league, 33 passing touchdowns. Bills are thir- or third in the league with 26. The Bengals are second with 27. Like, this is a team, like, you don't have to question, like, do they have the firepower to put up the points? Like, I I think this is an obvious one to me. All right. Well, let's move on to hopefully something less obvious. KP, playoff contender with the best chance to knock off a top seed, Cincinnati or the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, man. These are, what, maybe the third best team in each conference? You could argue higher. Ooh, Dallas has a better defense, significantly better defense, I would say. The Bengals are, again, we just talked about it, very tough on offense, and they can hit you in a variety of ways, especially the way that they've been playing lately. It would probably have to come down to the matchup, like is Dallas playing Philadelphia and San Francisco and is Cincy playing Kansas City and Buffalo. If that were the case, I'm I'm probably taking – oh, man. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking about all the players, and then you remember it's Zach Taylor and Mike McCarthy. So I'm having to, <laughs> I'm having to press pause <laughs> on a couple of these. But 
I think I'm going to go with Cincy still just because Dallas has been a little uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mishide. Um What was that against the Texans last week? Like, how is that even a thing? That's what I was going to ask. In December. And that's not the first time they've done that this year. I So maybe that's the reason I'll lean Bengals. Again, they have so many weapons on the outside. I Even if it's not so many, it's T. Higgins and, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase as opposed to CeeDee Lamb. I'm not – I think Michael Gallup's fine, but Gallup's not this wide receiver one. And T.Y. Hilton was available in December for a reason, so I'm not you know, going to give them credit for that just yet. So it's the Bengals. I'll go Bengals. What do you think, Justice? I think I'm going to go Dallas. I just think their defense is a tick better. But they are inconsistent. I mean, this is this Dallas team is, what, since Dak came back, the whole narrative was, okay, they won with Dak out. Now Dak is back. Now they're going to be so good because now they have an actual quarterback under center because Cooper Rush definitely was not it. And they have this great defense. <laughs> Maybe they can contend with the Philadelphia Eagles down the stretch. And then off of a bye week, they lose in overtime. Uh, to the Green Bay Packers, and then they have this weird close game against the Houston Texans. I still don't know what to make of that Texans game. Like, what narrative are we supposed to take away from that? Other than like that was weird. Houston's tanking. Houston's tanking. I mean, I guess, but they're how did trying. The, way how did the Texans not score from like the two yard line? Like, damn it, Houston, score! Yeah. Jacksonville this week. Would we be surprised if I mean I'm picking Dallas here, but would we be surprised if Trevor Lawrence kind of tore up this defense a little bit? Trevor Lawrence is playing really good football right now. I think this is the worst possible opponent for Trevor Lawrence after that game. So I would be very surprised. Yeah. I think Dallas is going to come in focused and they're going to lock down the Jaguars. Yeah. I think I'm not taking away from what he did last game because I, I think he was amazing. And I think he's been trending in that direction. And it's good to see him finally get uh, have that breakthrough game, breakout game. But it just the matchups just set up poorly for him in this situation. So we got a tie. Steven Serta, we need your services once more. Bengals, Cowboys. Who's got the better chance to knock off a top seat? I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals here. Whoa! KP's coming with the sweep this week. <laughs> what? It's... I really, really like Dallas, and I think that if everything fits together and they can play consistently, like the defense, Micah Parsons is one of the biggest difference makers in all of football, like offensively, defensively, whatever. Like He's just one of the biggest difference makers on a football field in the world right now, and he's absolutely incredible, but... I, I think we need to make a lot more of that Houston Texans game than we did. And because Dallas won and Dak had the game winning drive, like I, I feel like it's going to get lost in the shuffle of this season because they didn't actually lose the game that they a hundred percent deserve to lose against the one win Houston Texans who the yes. Kansas City Chiefs are playing this week. And I am a little scared uh, that the Chiefs are going to show up kind of the same way. And it, it just, I think it highlighted some of the issues that Dallas had where they were turning the ball over and there was just some slot play and those are things that we see from Dallas but most of the time they're talented enough to just overcome those and you kind of forget about them because they're because CeeDee Lamb's so good because Dak's so good because that defense is so good whereas Cincinnati while they don't have the household names defensively they are good defensively they are well coached defensively and they're consistent and they don't make a ton of mistakes and that's a formula to win defensively in the NFL. And then you factor in Joe Burrow and a healthy T Higgins and Jamar Chase and what they can do with that passing attack. 
I, I just think that I would probably consider the Bengals like top to bottom to be a more reliable option right now than the Dallas Cowboys. So I think I got to go with Cincinnati. Since week 10, Dallas is 16th in passing offense and DVOA and 16th in passing defense. So they're league average um, when it comes to in the air. And that's concerning. That interception that Dak throws that set up Houston. Now they ultimately didn't score, but that pick that he throws to give them the ball back. That was a hideously bad interception. I feel like he's sort of escaped criticism from that because he eventually got the ball back and drove down the field and won the game. But damn man, like, he makes some plays sometimes, and I'm just stunned. Like, at this point, should you really be making these kind of mistakes? But I don't know. Maybe it's just me and I'm not watching enough Cowboys, but it really surprised me. Yeah, that pick was terrible. The one that he got hit, and then it just got taken back. I, I saw that on Red Zone. At, at first, I wasn't sure if he got hit or not, and I was like, that is the worst decision I've ever seen in my life. And then they showed the slow-mo replay of him just getting knocked a little. I, I had to add this in too. That interception in the playoffs, whoever gets that interception is going to score there. <laughs> yep. It's, it's just, it's yep. It's awful. Like that's a game changing play that Dak Prescott sh- should have cost you a football game, but thankfully it was against the Texans. Weirdness. Oh, well. Stock down, Cowboys. Kind of goes along with Peter King, kind of. Uh, I asked Peter, like, did, you know, are we, are we giving Mike McCarthy enough credit? And he was like, mm, the Cowboys are loaded with good players. That's what you're supposed to do with good players. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, RJ Ochoa. It's not happening. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. Like we said at the top, leave a new review. When you put up your holiday decorations, when you take them down, I promise you we will read it on the show. Everybody, enjoy your week. KP, let's go Niners tomorrow night, and we'll talk to you next week.